curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to this show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch, you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at TarotByGinger.com. She's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer. And you can find her again at TarotByGinger.com. And now, without further ado, our guests for today are Bob and, is it Lala? Lala, yeah, hi. And they are paranormal investigators. Thanks for coming on. Oh, happy to have, ha- happy to be here, Gary. And uh, good morning. Good and morning. I love, I love the Hendrix tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love Jimmy. I also love guitars. <laughs> wow. I I saw them. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, what got you guys into the paranormal to begin with? Like, where did this all begin? I was born um, kind of talking to beings, spirits, later found out aliens. I didn't realize. I just knew it felt different. I didn't realize there were different beings I was talking to. And uh, my dad taught me a little bit here and there. He was a Reiki master and a sensitive and psychic. And I I would give readings here and there. And then later on in life, I uh, lost my family, and I decided I was going to stop hiding and help people. And I found Bob mm-hmm. on on YouTube, and I had this overwhelming feeling that I had to talk to him, but I didn't know why yet. Okay. And then when I, we were Facebook friends, I saw that his mom was getting sick, and I knew that's the reason. That's how it always happens, because mm-hmm. the the energies lead me to the person, and. He's a scientist, so it kind of blew up with all his gadgets and, and everything. Every night we have interesting activity. Every day. Yeah. Uh, so, um, like her, I had odd occurrences when I was young that led to uh, kind of a major event when I was 18. And then when uh, I went on Spaced Out Radio, um, she saw me and reached out and Facebook friended me. And then we had the occasional like, but never any serious interaction. And then she saw my mother was passing and offered me a reading. So I went over to visit my mother who had just had her in advanced directive invoked by her caregivers. And so she was on hospice mm-hmm. preparing for the end. And she would occasionally rally and talk to her deceased relatives. So as if they were in the room. So I went, whoa, okay. So she passed. We had the funeral. I got over it a bit to the point where I believed I could talk to Lala without bawling my eyes out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I reached out to her and said, look, I'm ready for the reading. So we began the reading in her usual manner. And 
she very quickly uh, made contact with my mother and told me five or more things that only my mother and I knew. That's the first part. The second part was she told me things that my mother knew that my four brothers and I didn't know, but we could check with family and friends and verify were true. So it was pretty startling. Hmm. But as the reading was coming to an end, Paula says to me, there's this feisty little lady, five foot two. She's just walked up and butted in, and she's talking with this very thick southern accent. I can barely understand her, <laughs> but she's insistent, and she keeps saying this word that I don't understand. What does it mean? The word is Tweety. Well, Gary, I just... I lost it then. That was when I just lost it. I started bawling. And when I calmed down, I told her the story that when I was one years old, we moved from where I was born in Tennessee to where I was lived, live until I was an adult in Alabama. And I would stay on occasion with my grandmother. And I was very young, like just over one. And she would call me sweetie. And I could not say sweetie. So I called her Tweety, and that became the name my grandmother had, and she picked that out of the middle of nowhere. I wasn't expecting to talk to my grandmother, but she found my grandmother insist on butting in and then tell her her name that I gave her. Wow. So it was an amazing experience. And then we began interacting mm -hmm. on the phenomenon uh, for the next couple of months and found out we were simpatico, and then I moved from where I was to Maryland, and we now live together in the home we're in. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I've had, like, experiences, too, with, like, taking care of my parents. And, and they, like, I know, like, when I was taking care of my dad doing the hospice thing, you know, I was staying in a house with him, and I put a baby monitor in his room. And he would be constantly having conversations with people that passed away. And I would hear him having these full conversations with, with people that, had already died. It was was you know, I don't know. Like, like you know, obviously, I think in my mind that these other spirits or ghosts of relatives were coming to try to comfort him to make the transition easier. Mm -hmm. But it's also is it's amazing like how these consciousness still retained their their love for people that they were with here on Earth rather than yeah. just being a clump of energy. Yes. That forgets. Exactly. Don't you say they still have their same personality and emotions? Yeah, I I thought they became little uh, perfect beings of light floating around, but no, they're the same person. They're more aware. Um, they try to right their wrongs. They sometimes become guardians of people here that they love, but they have the same attitude. The same humor. I mean, it's 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 the same thing, same energy. I feel as if they were here. Hmm. So, Gary, when we moved in here together uh, last September, it's hard it's hard to believe how far and how much stuff has gone on since April of last year. But anyway, uh, we moved in here together, and we immediately began to notice what people would call poltergeist or paranormal activity: thumpings on the wall things being moved, things being lifted up and dropped, things being moved from where they were to another place to the point where she would have to take dousing rods 
and go and find them. And we would, the dowsing rods would always lead her right to where the object was. I mean, we, we hadn't unpacked. Uh, so things were still all in a, in a mess and the things would be hidden amongst the packing mm-hmm. and the, and the mess. So if we didn't do it, something else was doing. So we've got a security cameras inside the home to see if we couldn't record some of this. One was aimed at the front door and inside, inside the home aimed at the front door to monitor if anybody came in through the front door. Okay. It's just just in case a ghost wants to come through the front door without opening or opening. Anyway, so it was night. Nobody was awake. And the camera suddenly went from IR, night vision, to color day vision because something, not us, had turned the light on. Immediately after the light came on, you could hear a little noise, and then all of a sudden, the microphone recorded, hello, Xander. And so I lost my parents and my boyfriend I was with for 15 years. And that, that was him. And our son, we have his name, Xander. And it was his voice, according to everyone who's heard it. It was amazing. It was a class A of the best kind I've ever heard, electronic voice phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So these spirits that, that you're have now in your home are ones that have followed you there. They're not ones that inhabited the home prior, right. like, a, like a family that lived there and, uh, you know, Uncle Harry died in, in the back room or whatever. I would say they are the bulk of who constantly are here, but we have Native American spirits who are from the area where we live. We live close to the Susquehanna River and Susquehanna uh, River Basin Native Americans were on this land this development was built on mm-hmm. and walking there's a portal there's a portal that we see stuff coming in and out of mm-hmm. on one side of the house and we caught on video and we caught on video yeah. and we caught a, a an apparition of a, a kind of an outline of a thing walking up our steps and into our front door and um Linda Thompson who is a well-known UAP investigator was an ERT person for MUFON mm-hmm. and has the ability to do tremendous amount of digital forensics on videos, said, you know, this is some kind of being and it looks human or humanoid. And it just, it has this outline like it's wearing something over its shoulders. And, and so I went, I, I have no idea why, Gary. I'm not going to, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea why, but something told me to go to Google and Google Manitou. And I googled Manitou, and the first picture that came up was of the Susquehanna area Manitou, I guess because that was my location, so they picked one from the area through Mm -hmm. whatever algorithms Google runs, but it was exactly a match for the outline. I was just dumbfounded. Okay, so we've had, um, and then later on, she began telling me her dreams. So tell me what we discovered when you told me told the dreams about what are the entities being aliens that you were dreaming about. Which I mean, any anyone just in general. I, I I had a dream. Well, years ago, I I before bed, I looked at the stars and I said, you know, where where am I from? Because this doesn't feel like home at all. I don't fit in, and. It was just an unusual thing for me to say. 
And later that night, I had a dream that said M56. And I didn't know what that was. I woke up, I Googled it, and it's, I found out it's a whole thing. It's what, Lyra, ladies, Draco. I didn't know about that. And there was tons of people and pictures and all these beings. And that led me to a whole different aspect of my life I wasn't aware of. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to different beings, I'll ask them yes or no questions. And a lot of them are from that area, which is, I know it sounds weird, but they respond to it. Mm -hmm. She would tell me these, these, these quote, quote, dreams, unquote. And I would go, okay, other people have called these things dreams, but what they are were memories of alien abductions and experiences they had where the memory was suppressed and it leaks back through and you think it was a dream. And she would have dreams of reptilians, dreams of my labs, dreams of being abducted, memories of her and her friend going out and seeing a craft, and you should tell that story about you and your friends seeing the craft and what happened. It was so close. Um, we were driving, and at night, uh, a government helicopter was flying over, and it showed its spotlight through a cloud. The thing was hiding in a cloud, and it was as big as a football field. It was huge. And I saw all the, the underbelly of the details, like intertwining pipes, but the pipes were as big as wide as the helicopter's body. And so we drove under it, and I don't remember anything after that. And neither does my friend. And that's happened a few times when I saw mm -hmm. um, crafts before. I I would say, given the things she's told me about her, uh, that it would happen to her when she was in the relationship with her deceased boyfriend, uh, she would go out to the store and or whatever and plan on me gone 15 minutes and we'd be gone an hour and a half and he would be upset that she had been gone so long and wondering where she was and she would go i've only been gone a few minutes and right. it would be an hour and a half and he would be upset and she would be in wonder and have no memory he thought i was just playing with him like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> okay so uh then then it began to be pretty serious so well after the initial paranormal experiences we put a camera in our bedroom and we have orbs all through our bedroom just all the time. So I went, well, you know, people record stuff outside their homes. Let's see if we on occasion get stuff outside our home. So we put cameras outside the home. Gary, it exploded. Wow. What it happened? is every night we see things in the sky and in the yard and well, I have a regular schedule in which I sleep at night and work and, and read and other things during the day and so forth. And I have technical work I do outside of just this. But she obsesses all night on the videos and let her tell you some of the things she's found because she's an amazing magnet for this stuff. We th So there was an orb that flew by close to the camera. You hear a jumble and a light a foggy light appears in the outline of a human. But you just see light in the outline. And it moves the camera over a little bit towards our neighbor behind us, their roof. And then it went down back into an orb and flew away. And we didn't figure it out until months later. They started a, 
putting lights on top of that person's roof, and then we'd see a little craft appear afterwards. They were moving it to where they wanted us to see it. I thought that, I mean, that's... that's yeah, it was so it. strange. So then she began to uh, enhance the uh, uh, a screenshot of a frame, and I'm going, the roof has become transparent, and we could see the interior of the house through the illuminated roof by whatever's illuminating it. Weird. It was weird. So then we're seeing craft and we would see flashes of portals over this person's house. And Gary, just let me be honest. I've been too afraid to go over there and say anything to this person about what we see going in and out of their home. I, mean, I don't know them. I know where they work. I know that they're very important, but I just don't have the courage to go over there and say anything. Hmm. Interesting. So, do you think this phenomenon, some of it increased because the two of you came together? Mm-hmm. We've had a regression, and we were supposed to be together. And if you want to say the watchers arranged for us to be together, that's consistent. And I can tell you, Betty Andreas and Lucas, uh, widower husband, Bob Lucas, our friend, and he believes that that the Watchers chose us to be together so that we could put all this evidence together and show the world all we can about the phenomenon. We work well together. A lot of activity. I mean, I always had a lot of activity, but it ramped up a lot. And we're an odd couple, but we work well together in many aspects. It's perfect. It It was orchestrated, I believe. Yep, and you know, disparity in ages and difference of approach and one's right-brained and one's left-brained, even though I've had experiences on my own, including ghosts and UFOs and orbs in my previous home, nothing like what she has had in terms of abduction experiences, my lab abductions, hybrid uh, experimentation memories, where she sees the aliens and do them doing surgery and seeing the infants and so forth and so on. Implant my leg, and she has an implant in her leg that I saw picked up right where she told me it would be picked up when we flew out to San Francisco two weekends ago in the TSA little imager that the TSA agents looks to where to wand, and they wanded her right where she said the implant was. Mm -hmm. That's number one. So I believe you're already. That's how I found out the airport. I would visit a friend like 20 years ago all the time. And all of a sudden I started setting this thing off. And after a years, I was, I know it took a while, but after a while I was like, can I see what you're doing? Cause it's, I'm always setting this off. And it was the size of a piece of rice in my left femur. And it's still there to this day. But but even besides that, I kept a lot of things to myself because I was either embarrassed by what happened or I was confused or, or scared because I nobody really talked to me about aliens except a few times, just ghosts. And when I started talking to him about things, he's like, no, a lot of people have gone through this and this is what happened. Like, it made me feel better about it, you know? So uh, she remembers uh, interactions with reptilians and... Uh... We've had a number of people thank us for her just telling what happened. And I think it does people good to know that other people have been through it. Because she went through years without knowing what happened. 
So if you feel like it, yeah. you can tell. What I'd love to hear that because I hear different stories about reptilians. I hear some of them say they're benevolent. Some say they have um, malicious intent for towards humans. I think they're like humans. Some are good. Mm-hmm. Some are not. But I, I, I originally was. I was having a dream. I was in. I guess it looked like a barn with other women laying. I was laying down on a wooden plank. And other women were laying on each side of me, lots of them. And it was this scary, huge, now I know reptilian with a, a, a mask on with horns. And he was holding something in his hand. And there was one between each woman. And I woke, it scared me. And I, I woke up. And when I woke up, I, my legs were together, but I could feel like, Every detail of having, as if I was having sex, I mean, very clearly, but nobody was there. I was alone in the house and I just, I, my brain couldn't understand what was going on and it scared me and I never talked about it, but I remember it because as soon as I, I woke up, I was in shock and I, I was experiencing it and then I really panicked and then it stopped. So it, ha- it, would, it happened for maybe 20 seconds while I was awake. It was it was creepy. Wow! And all the usual uh, ca- uh, characterizations of the reptilian intercourse and th- that you read about, and uh, these are make things impossible for women to forget. And the kind of the barn with the wooden plank and other things really seemed to me. And this is what I told her, though I haven't seen it and don't have proof. It was a screen memory projected so that she wouldn't be able to identify anything inside of where she was because she wasn't in a barn with them doing surgery with other women. She was in some kind of laboratory and they were on lab or surgery tables, but they had reptilians are known for projecting these screen memories. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a constant story. So this, this, this quote memory dream she had, they had put up the screen of what the environment looked like to, in order to confuse her. And the consistent story that I hear from her in her dreams are that the kind of known instrument they use to blank out people's minds and cause them to forget don't work well on her. She's constantly waking up during the experience to the point where one of the aliens said one time, don't let her see. Don't let her see. So it instructed others to not let her see because they realized from her consciousness that she was awake and just she's had a life full of these strange experiences. And I'm the first person that, that told her that no, these things, these things seem real because they're like things I've read about in books that other women have experienced. And we began investigating and talking to that. And now Melinda Leslie and Lorian Fenton and other well-known experiences they basically adopted her as a, as a sister. Hmm. Uh, and Kathleen Martin has ta- ta- talked to her a couple of times and is her friend on Facebook. They, they know. They know from her description of the things she has told. Lauren Fenton interviewed us and told us that she told details of the interaction with the reptilian, the sexual things that she experienced with the reptilian. Lorian told no one, and it was her test for whether or not the person was faking it or was real, mm. because she, they don't talk about these details. But she has found that people are very grateful 
that somebody comes out in public and talks about this because they're hiding it too. They won't speak of it. And uh, people should just be kind to these people because they're dealing with something they can't understand that feels like a violation. And frankly, we don't know what the reptilian motives are. They don't come down and tell us, uh, give us roses (laughs) and say, can I take you on a date? But we don't know what their motives Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. I always wondered, too, if the reptilians are actually the original um, intelligent species on Earth, because there's stories about that, like where they were, they were the original inhabitants of this planet and then went underground. Do you think there's any credence to that? I don't know, but there's a good possibility. I mean, this world is pretty magical, and it didn't start with just us, that's for sure. And they're they're here. They have a lot of power to to manipulate us. So it would make sense that they've been here before us and maybe have created some of us. Both of us thought we were a little cuckoo, so we had Deb's Shakti give us a regression. Just uh, I'll let her tell what she wants of hers. But in mine, there were kind of three segments. One of the segments was a past past life memory, and. Um, this past life memory that I recovered in this hypnosis session, which is videoed, by the way, is I saw myself as a member of a tribe and I would call myself barely looking human. So let's call it Neanderthal because I don't have another word for it. So I'm a member of a Neanderthal tribe and this alien craft comes down and they assemble us and they wave this wand in front of us and something happens to us. And by the end of my life, so she brought me forward to the end of that life, I realized that suddenly my mind had been changed and I could think abstract thoughts, and I died of a heart attack, remembering kinds of things and flashes of my past and how I had changed over time from what the entities had done to us. And they looked to me like tall grays. Had, had modified p- members of my tribe. That was the memory that I recovered. So uh, uh, so now I'm gone from hardcore scientist with a degree in mathematics and engineering and working for the intelligence community to experiencer that remembers that I used to be a member of a tribe and believe in reincarnation and the universal consciousness and this is a big transformation to go through from the time I first met Chris Bledsoe in 2019 to today. So I've gone from hardcore show me evidence scientist to experiencer knowing in reincarnation and afterlife in four years. So what do you think is the nature of reality? Like, what do you think this is? Do you think we live in a, a matrix of multi dimensions? Do you think it's a holographic projection? You are so right asking that question. And she knows I'm about to launch into it because I can't help myself because it's consumed me. Donald Hoffman is a cognitive scientist at the University of California, Irvine. And he wrote this book several years ago called The Case Against Reality. And he is a brilliant, brilliant cognitive scientist who was trained at MIT, and so he had all this massive amount of mathematical training at an engineering school where they happened to do cognitive science, and he was doing perception, 
because he wanted to do consciousness, but they wouldn't allow him to write a thesis in consciousness, so they made him do perception. And so he learned all these tools and, and, and techniques that he brought with him to Irvine, where he quickly gained tenure. So then he started doing consciousness, and he wrote this book and proved a mathematical theorem born of evolutionary game theory. And it says clearly that any any being that whose senses connected to their processing apparatus for their senses, their brain, is selected against by evolution if they actually see reality. That what their senses do is perceive reality in the best possible way for promotion of survival of the species they're a member of. So we don't see reality. We do live in an illusion. So Gary, uh, to get, uh, Donald kept doing this, kept talking about it. He went through lots of slings and arrow in the scientific community, but soon his mathematically proven theorem began to be accepted and he contracted COVID and he almost died. And that lasted for a year before he returned to work. But it's clear during that year, his mind did not stop working. So he came out of COVID and wrote a paper. And this paper is a description of the underlying mathematical description of consciousness. And out of it is born the space-time we see. The consciousness is projected into our perceptual uh, consciousness. And that space-time is our local copy. And so we each experience virtual reality but he has now argued to me quite effectively that space-time, including uh, gravitation and quantum physics, is born out of the consciousness that is projected into our perception. So I'm now giving this long-winded technical t stuff that tells everybody who's listening, even if they don't get it, go look at Donald Hoffman YouTube videos because he does a better job of explaining it than I do. Listen, we, I was talking to the, I guess, I just say universe, but, and I said, can you show yourself? And we have a picture that everybody can see on our Facebook. It's an album to the public. It's a grid with a black and a white wormhole, circles. We showed this. A lady emailed me, us, and she had a picture of years ago, the same thing, except slightly different and the worm the wormholes were switched or, or something like that no they were all open or closed it was and we had mixed open and closed it blew my mind it because i always read people saying when when they like take hallucinogenics like they see a grid mm -hmm. up in the sky there is there is that okay it, it's really so, so I, i'm gonna bugger now because her visual cortex processes things differently from mine or my visual perception system in the bottom right hand corner the bottom left hand corner right bottom right hand corner of the image the woman sent us you clearly see a humanoid looking like a little elf with a wand in its hand it's clear as day to my my eyes and perceptual system mm -hmm. eyes nose little beard hair that's like not everybody sees it. not everybody sees it but mm -hmm. i see it clearly and we just invite people to go look at our evidence which is available to the public and and something is there and it's clear to me that it's easily seen but not everybody can see it people people process this is 
This was the first thing, what I'm telling you the differences between us, was the first experiment Donald Hoffman ran as a perceptual scientist to prove that people saw things, saw visual illusions with their perception system, which led him to the case against reality. Hmm. She sees things differently than I do, even though we're both looking at the same thing. So how do you explain the idea of, of portals then? Like, what do you think they are? Do you think they're a collapse in reality? Or like, say like this is a projection and a bug flies across the screen, you know, and you see this the shadow of an insect. Is that the portal? Like, what is it? I think it's a little highway. It's an energetic highway. Okay, so now... different dimensions. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. So uh, now I'm back to scientist. So uh, I've got a degree in applied mathematics, and uh, Leon Cooper, Nobel laureate, taught me quantum field theory, and I was already studying as a mathematician the the geometry dis mathematical description that Einstein used to do general relativity. Where am I going with this? Later, Einstein continued to do brilliant work long after he stopped working on general relativity. He and Rosen came up with the Einstein-Rosen bridge, which mm -hmm. is a wormhole. He, Podolsky and Rosen, came up with entanglement of quantum uh, uh, par particles. Particles can become entangled in certain operations, uh, quantum mechanical operations. Leonard Susskind and Juan Maldacena have now argued, I believe successfully, that the Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is a wormhole, is the tool that allows entanglement to work. So if you have two photons which are entangled, and you do an experiment on one and it immediately shows up on the other, mm -hmm. the communication of this one's being fiddled with, you've got to go to this state, is communicated between the two photons through a wormhole. And they've argued quite successfully, in my opinion, that, that wormholes are how entangled particles work. So we see these flashes in the sky. These flashes in the sky draw her attention to our in our videos. She look and it's usually it's two flashes. One comes right before the other. So when that happens, she looks from the beginning of the first flash to the second flash at each frame. And in most of them, in the frames in between the first flash and the second flash, she finds a craft. Clear structured craft. Mm -hmm. So this is in the evidence which we have made public, including the videos and her grabbed frames where she looks and sees the craft. It's detailed. It's very detailed. It's it is very beautiful. Then our my favorite one is one where you see the craft like this, and three weeks later, you see it turned like this, but it's clearly the same craft mm -hmm. three weeks apart, done in exactly the same way, two flashes in the sky, she zooms in and finds the craft. That evidence is available in our public repository. That's happened a couple of times with different types of, I guess they're motherships, they're big, they're motherships, right? So let me, let me explain to you why she says that and how my mind works about it. They come in the middle of the night, so they cannot be illuminated by the sun and be close to us. Yet you see on the craft illumination appearing on the craft mm -hmm. from the geometric direction the sun is in if it's way up high above the earth 
and you see shadows on the vehicle from things that poke up, cast as if the sun was illuminating this stuff that's standing up and the shadow falls behind it like it would if it was in orbit or held way above the earth. So to, and I've, we've seen this happen. We've never seen this when there were full cloud cover. We have seen it happen in holes in the cloud cover or when it was clear. So to me, it's very clear that these are extremely large craft way above the earth. They appear from a portal which opens in space time. They do their thing and they leave through a portal that appears in space time. We've seen a cigar shaped thing come out of one of these, go across the sky and go out through one. Mm -hmm. We have the video. It's not a great video, but it's clear to us what's happening. A flash, this, this thing comes out as a dot and then elongates as it leaves the portal. It comes into our space time. Then you see all of it travel across the sky and then you see it slowly shrink and disappear as it goes through the other portal and leaves space time. Hmm. Why do you think they are here? Do you, why do you think they would even care about a, a warring race of humans? So we feel we have a job. And I think with the job we have is to tell people all the stuff is real and to show them it's real, mm -hmm. show them how they can take the toys we bought and do it for themselves. So what we're hoping is this helps other people find this stuff as well. Because we think what they're doing is trying to show us that we are not, we, we are not limited by the physicality we have trapped our minds in, that we could do lots of things they do if only we changed our attitudes. Look, I, I believe that humanity ought to live by Abraham, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and construct our culture and society around Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Which, but anyway, so I think that's what they want us to do. They want us to learn to treat each other like we would want to be treated and to treat the earth we live on with more care. Mm -hmm. And so, and they're not going to tell us how to do things because they know we'd turn it into a war machine. So they're trying to get as many people awakened as they can. They know, I think, already they can't awaken everyone. But mm -hmm. I think they're trying to awaken as many as they can so that these people are aware that they don't need to be afraid. That life goes on when you leave this body. And when we leave this body, we will escape this prison of this reality we put ourselves in. And we can go and join them and live amongst the stars of the universe. I think that's the story the two of us are being asked to tell. Wow. You know, I just did a video yesterday talking about how this reality feels like a prison. Like it's like I'm stuck inside a box and I'm banging on it. Like, let me out. Let me out. I want to see what's outside of this three-dimensional illusion. And, um, you know... I have, I mean, I've had glimpses, I think, but I've never been successful at breaking out of this, you know, to where I can, I don't know, be like an enlightened being and be happy and peaceful all the time. I don't have that yet, <laughs> but, um, but it certainly I, I, feels like I, there's something else. I, I want her to tell a story that she, that she experienced. She, I didn't experience, she experienced it, but I heard it. I heard the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I asked her about, uh, traveling through space and time and she made contact and in my opinion traveled outside the boundaries of the earth so let her let her tell that story you don't want to tell that story <laughs> i don't like to tell the story okay okay so, so I'll, I'll tell what i remember of okay it. <laughs> she traveled outside the earth mm -hmm. and went into this place where she felt 
what I think was the universal consciousness. Okay. And uh, felt surrounded by tremendous unconditional love. And then she left that area and traveled to the vicinity of the pyramids in Egypt. So I call it let's call it astral travel. Mm -hmm. I don't have a better name for it. Let's call it that. And she went down to a chamber that was beneath the pyramids in this travel. And I heard her clearly describe uh, being uh, punished for going down there. She doesn't like to remember it because it was scary. I wasn't. Something shoved me on my bed and it stopped me. And I never did it again. So. Yes, it frightened her. And But she she said the following word to me. And I don't believe she knew this word when she said it. She said, called the thing that was pushing her around Anunki. And that is one of the pronunciations that people use for Anunnaki. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and she described the thing as tall and hooded with reptilian-like skin that she could not see the face. And we, we I've learned from others, uh, like Dave Scott, after we did our interview with him, that hooded beings that are tall and look reptilian are known to be Anunnaki. And they, they clearly don't want her going to where that is underneath the pyramids again, because <laughs> they were upset. Hmm. There's also a lot of rumors about there being some type of library underneath the, I think it's the left paw of the Sphinx. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know I think it, it I came know from, Edgar, I know that. I think Edgar Casey talked about it in his prophecies. I know that Jimmy Church and Billy Carter continue to go to the pyramids and they've gone inside the Sphinx and done some things that are really unusual to me. And hopefully, hopefully they don't get in too much trouble and make the Anunnaki angry. <laughs> Interesting. You know, do you think that the, the Anunnaki are a physical presence or do you think that they're an ethereal presence? Um, I think they can switch. Mm -hmm. I think they can be materialized if they have to. But I think it's mainly, um, I've mainly seen them in, in visions, you know, as if it were a spirit. That they have physicality is borne out by the fact that one of them got upset with her and shoved her on her bed. Mm -hmm. And stopped her from having the experience she was having. So they can interact with the physical world. But I think the, the time she's told me about them, they were most non-corporeal. And she was seeing them in her mind and communicating with them telepathically. Mm -hmm. And I think she believes one of them is a guardian. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I know when when spirits and, and aliens or dimensional beings, they they talk to me a lot through pictures. So it's as if I'm looking through a family photo book and it, it creates a story. And so I understand what they're trying to tell me. Sometimes they talk, but that's, that's few and far between usually. Hmm. So you're clairvoyant mostly. Yeah, I prefer the pictures. It kind of freaks me out when they appear. So I ask them, you know, I'm more comfortable this way. If, uh, but her earlier story of hearing her grandma uh, tell her which grave to come to. Uh, she's clairaudient yeah. too. So, I mean, I, I have seen her in our time together experience all of them. Mm -hmm. Clairsentience, clairaudience, claircognizance, clairvoyance. I've seen her, seen her have all of them. I'm just more comfortable with the pictures. That's all. <laughs> she loves, the, she loves the pictures. Yeah. Wow. 
So do you think, um, like, like you mentioned the, the entanglement before, and one of the things like entanglement is an interesting thing because, you know, you're basically taking a copy of something, putting it somewhere else, and then the communication between that is like faster than the speed of light. It's like at the speed of thought. But one of the other things is if you're making a copy of something and putting it somewhere else, that probably means that if I'm made out of protons and all this stuff too, that is probably a copy of us somewhere else. Okay, so if you subscribe to Donald Hoffman's viewpoint about what the world is made of, we're made of quantum bits. Mm-hmm. We're bit made of bits of information that form our consciousness. So when, a, when our consciousness, your consciousness, her consciousness, our souls are put together, we're a collection of quantum bits that contain the information that describes our own local reality to us. So it's information. And so I believe, I believe what you're saying. And I'm just telling you how I as a scientist mm-hmm. view this because of the impact Honnold Hoffman has had on my thinking. Information is what I believe the universe yeah. is made of. Yeah, and if it's information, just like on a computer, we can make copies and put them in different folders. So, and one of the things that you often hear is you can't use the entanglement to communicate data. Well, if that's all you have, that's true. But there's another aspect of quantum mechanics that allows entangled particles to enable uh, faster-than-light communication, mm-hmm. and that is quantum teleportation. So if I take two entangled particles and I transport one of them a hundred thousand miles away, um, which we can do, and NASA is now doing, we can build a quantum network using those entangled particles. And the bit that we want to transfer as information, we quantum teleport to the other end using the entangled particle. So this is how quantum networking works. So but we have to take the entangled particle through space-time slower than the speed of light, but once there, we can trans, we can interact instantaneously faster than light. So people want to stop and use entanglement immediately. You can't. You've got to pay a price. But once you pay the price, you can communicate faster than light mm-hmm. through quantum networking. Do you think that's what happens during when people have like like with Lala and her psychic abilities that that all the things that she's experiencing is a result of quantum entanglement? I believe that quantum entanglement is how we attain the hitchhiker effect, that we are interacting with the phenomenon and suddenly we become entangled with some aspect of the phenomenon. And after that, they can quantum teleport what they want to us. And so we take part of it home through the entanglement. I believe you're exactly right. And I've just, I've just given you a kind of technical pseudo, pseudo technical description of how it functions. It's quantum teleportation of data. Hmm. So what's a piece of information that you guys have collected that has drastically changed your point of view? Uh, well, it, it, the bits, qubits, mm-hmm. are energy. And so what I think is going to happen, uh, Gary, is ultimately there's going to be a physical description of the, the amalgamation of information as energy, and the particles in our space-time as energy. So there'll be a general energy description of all of it. Do you mean from what we've found mm-hmm. so far? Oh, I'm sorry. From what yes, you I'm found sorry. from your experiences? Oh, you're sorry, sorry. Let the scientist shut up and let the, let the other brain talk. 
actually, okay. When, so different beings, they do baby steps with me. This started off with me talking to the stars. And they slow, the stars, quote unquote, started slowly coming closer and closer to the point where they got in front of the camera. Because I like baby steps, you know? And so new beings, different looking beings will come around maybe once a month. They'll change it up and add a new one. And I got nervous looking at one because it was too, a lot of them started coming in one night and I got really nervous and they went away. The second I got nervous, they went away and a couple days go by and I go, okay, I'm ready. You can come back. I know you're okay. And they came back. The fact that they cared, the fact that one, they could read my thoughts and feelings and then cared enough to go away because I needed it. It blew my mind and then they come back. It's, I didn't, I, I guess it sounds simple, but I just didn't think that they would do that. It, it's beautiful. So you'll see in our evidence, uh, there, there, there are two videos and sc screenshots from the videos. You'll see a video of this ethereal thing flowing past our camera and into our door. And shortly after that, she got really upset. Uh, and, and, um, they stopped, they stopped doing stuff for a bit, uh, while she, while she recovered and thought through it and went, okay, they're listening to me. If they're listening to me and they come, then I know that they will stay away if they've scared me. And then shortly thereafter, we did the camera facing the front, uh, front of our house, looking out in the yard in the sky in the front of our house. It caught a flash and she zoomed in on the flash. And I mean, it was perfectly focused. Every line of the thing was detailed. You can see the outline of the frame that's holding what it's illuminating. And it's a craft that's absolutely non aerodynamic. And it was right in front of our house. And it's in the evidence that we've made available publicly, both the video and the still frame grab we did to show the craft that was in the video. Yeah, everything we talk about, we have proof of. Every, we, and we, we show publicly. We will not talk about things we don't show. Hmm. Fascinating. Um, so what do we do with this information? Like with All the information that you guys are collecting, the, 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 the evidence of, of paranormal, of multidimensionality, of UFOs, of extraterrestrials, reptilians. Well, what are we supposed to do with it? I I ask them that, the yes or no questions at night. And I'm supposed to be helping them help us. I just have to figure out better detailed yes or no questions to ask. So if you or anybody has any questions, um, please send them to me or tell me because I can video me asking them and them responding in the certain way we've worked out. But it's something to do with peace or, 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 or do you know what I mean? I do. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I wanted her to finish because I'm about to brag on her and tell her what the technical guy, scientist, engineer decided to do with what she can do. Uh, I'm an amateur radio operator. I have a friend that both of us are friends to that is an amateur radio operator. 
And a few years ago, he began sending radio amateur signals to the sky, and it was like not a meditative invocation for a CE-5. It was a radio invitation for a CE-5, mm-hmm. and the craft would come and transmit back to him. So I went, whoa, wait a minute. If she can ask them yes-no questions and the craft appear in the camera and do some visual wiggling and wagging, that could be the response to the question. And so I could, the, 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 there's a fan in this computer below here that's making a racket. I apologize. Uh, but this thing below us that, that we're using for this is a artificial intelligence supercomputer. So her ability to ask yes, no questions, uh, our ability to transmit stuff using Jimmy, uh, 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 Blanchett's system will allow us to establish translation through this artificial intelligence computer. And suddenly, Gary, if it works, if we're done and it works and the computer is trained properly, we will have established a technological method for two-way communications between us and them. That's incredible. Why is it you think that right now the only answer yes or no questions? Because I'm not smart enough to figure anything else out. (laughs) But that's all you need. So how do we transmit it? How is this information being transmitted between you and us in the world? Zeros and ones and digital communications. That's all we need to establish is digital communications, and they can send us the Encyclopedia Galactica. Yeah, they're they're very intelligent. And talking to me, they're like, oh, my God, okay, here we go. Let's just do yes or no. It'll work out. (laughs) She'll get it eventually. And Jimmy Blanchett has determined that the stuff they're showing him is connected to constants. Constants, by that I mean numbers that are mm-hmm. constants, determining the physical structure of space time. By the way, real quick, I another thing that blew my mind was that the being moved the camera to be more convenient for us to mm-hmm. where we're supposed to look. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Now this is stuff we're not told. We're told scary stuff or or really far fetched stuff a lot of the times. I mean, this is captured on video that they they care enough and realize that we definitely need some help figuring this out and they do it it's amazing let me give you the, a, a cautionary note you're going to get what you bring and why do i say that as a scientist when we observe quantum mechanical systems we bring that quantum mechanical system into re- actual reality by by the collapse of the wave function what does that mean That means if I bring a lot of fear and anger and other things to whatever this phenomenon is, and if it's some kind of quantum mechanical interaction, I'm going to turn all of that negativity into actuality, and we're going to have a negative experience. If I bring love and peace and want to talk and get to know you and all this other stuff, you're more likely to get that in response. Are there things we don't understand which seem negative and things we don't understand which seem very positive? And the answer to both of those is yes. But I am certain in my own mind, if you bring a bunch of crap, you're not going to be happy with what happens. In other, in other words, be pure. You, you, you don't always have to be in the best of moods. Sometimes you have a crappy day. But if you are pure in your heart and your intentions, because they know anyway, they want that interaction they want it to be upfront. like this is what i'm doing and this is why i'm doing it 
I believe they want to save the light of human consciousness so that they, like us, learn from all of our experiences. So that means some people have to make it in order to interact with them through thought transference or together or whatever. Do you think that if we do not listen to them, do not take their advice, do not work on communicating with them, that ultimately ultimately the human race will destroy itself? Mm-hmm. Look at the road we're on. Okay. The climate is going. We're about to have a massive, massive die-off, massive a bunch of extinctions to die-off through our trashing of this glorious planet we live on. This blue marble we're on is very precious. And I think they believe it's very precious because it gave rise to an unbelievable collection of life and life energies and our consciousness. I think they don't want us to trash it, but I think they're hedging their bets. They're trying to get some people to listen and interact with them so that at the end of civilization, uh, 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 minds that can interact with them in a positive way will go on. Hmm. And the ones that don't won't go on? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I hope everyone goes on. Right. But I know that they're trying to interact with us positively. We don't feel an ounce of fear from anything mm-hmm. that's happening to us. But then Dolores Cannon, she said there's going to be another, two Earths. One is where we ascend. Some people ascend. And the other one, it kind of just what crumbles. It's not where you want to be. It's all about frequency. And I know that sounds weird, but... Frequency does is a big player in where you're you are, where you're gonna be, and and how they respond to you. So if you uh, the physicist would say, okay, there'll be a diverging in the in the multiverse. One path will lead to a place where those who are ascended survive. The other path will lead to a place where those who don't ascended just live out their lives uneducated and unaware of all the good things that are going on. I mean, this is and this is like Hewitt's multiverse that he wrote his thesis on for John Archibald Wheeler and gave us the multiverse and all this other stuff in a PhD thesis. So it sounds to me like you could have these diverging paths. One of some of us go one way and some of us go the other. That makes sense. I totally would believe that. Absolutely. Um, earlier, you mentioned too about like you feeling different, feeling like you came from somewhere else. And you had that M56. Do, do you think that you are a star seed? And do you believe in the ascension process? I do. I, yes, to both. I do. I definitely am different. I've never. I've. I've not really met anybody like me, which is lonely, you know. And I. I do believe in the ascension. Yeah. I would say multiple people have, without having met her and seen her here, there, and yon, have out of the blue called her starseed. And one everybody will know. John Ramirez, the former CIA officer who's now out talking about everything he's ever experienced, knows us, met us, and interacts with us. He was the first one of these kinds of people that came to me and says, Lala's a starseed. Hmm. That's the first place I heard it. So, and you think the star seeds were put here to help evolve and help extend the human race, to help raise that frequency? And if so, how do we do it? How do we raise the frequency? 
Oh man, it's it's hard. Um, because there's so much. Not to be negative, but there's a lot going against us even from birth. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's what it feels like. And I think teaching yourself that there's a different life, there's a hidden world that we live in. If you could just open your eyes a little more, they'll come to you how you're supposed to learn it. Because everybody's path is different. But it's just having that open mind, I think, is key. I think the Renaissance was the beginning of our problem. Before that, Aboriginal tribes all over the earth and much of Europeans believed in the spiritual and that that kind of thing and that there was a spiritual entity around us that loved us. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Christian or Indian, uh, American, Indi- American Native Americans or Maoris in Australia, they all believe this stuff that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we Western civilization, through the science we gave birth to during the Renaissance, smashed on by the Catholic Church, not to not to do anything but just follow their rules, uh, have lost our connection to it. But I think things are happening now that are causing people to rethink and scientists like Donald Hoffman and others, I think are going to bring it all back to us in math. Hmm. It's hard to reconnect. You know, like I, I, I totally agree that the, that the, not primitive, the, the previous cultures before, um, the, especially before the industrial revolution, um, you know, had a connection with the spiritual world and they kept it with them all the time and they trusted it. They believed in it. They relied on it. And now we only rely on materialism, which is obviously a failing path. Mm-hmm. Yep. So just, I, I urge people to go find Peter Zion, Z-E-I-H-A-N, on YouTube and listen to some of his videos. The glo- the, the global culture, uh, uh, globalization that the United States started at the end of World War II to preserve our security is falling apart. And people need to go look at Peter Zion's arguments from demographics and other things that it is coming to an end. And so things are going to change. Well, and it's now too late. It's too late if you believe his science to fix it, mm-hmm. that the demographics have done us, done us in. We, we're going to go to go demographic inversions where populations collapse and there's nothing we can do to that. That's just what, that's an opinion. It doesn't mean it's right. But, but, but he's basically not. He's based it on science. He's based it on science. And people can go listen to him and look at his proof. I hope he's wrong. Right. So do I. Yeah. Who, who, who wants all these people to suffer? Yeah, I think there's been enough suffering in this world. I think it's time right. for it to end, for people to live in harmony with each other. There's no excuse for us to be the way we are. And there's also no reason for people to feel lonely when in a world of billions of freaking people. It's, it's right. bizarre. We need we need to care about each other more than we care about the money in our pocket. I think that's why I think there's personally I don't have proof yet, but I think there's a new being that that's here that the higher ups don't have control over. I think or are in cahoots with, and I think they are here to help us a lot in that aspect. Mm. They kind of do their own thing. If you've noticed, there's been a lot of activity. The activity is ramping up all around the world. You cannot fly an airplane for any airline in the world without seeing stuff. Well, we, we flew to San Francisco and I looked out the window 
And I was sure I saw a Tic Tac. I didn't say anything because I didn't get any evidence. But I'm sure of one. And I think every pilot in the air sees stuff. And they're scared to talk about it because of repercussions in the past. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you want to see a UFO, all you have to do is go outside and look at the sky. That's us. And you'll see All we did was stick up a camera, and here we are. And have an open mind. That's all all it takes to see something like that. Um, But most of us are inside watching TV, so nobody sees them and nobody believes it. Right, yeah. Our, our friend Melinda Leslie leads a tour in Sedona, Arizona almost every night. And every single night, the people on her tour see craft fly over her head and watch her interact She's with them. She's amazing. She yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And people, all people have to do is open their mind and go take a look. She'd gladly take you on a tour. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's also something to the CE5 where we can call them, too. I think that, that these beings are definitely somehow connected to our consciousness you know, or, or like maybe like consciousness in itself. Like I've heard a description where it's just like a net. You know, and it's just connecting everything. Um, Gary, what I see her do every day, where she is interacting with mm-hmm. it's she is doing CE five as if she was born to it because she was. Hmm. What's that feel like for you to have that kind of connectedness to the universe? Normal. It like I'm calling a friend. And they answered quickly, so it's it's weird to other people or exciting, but it's it's just normal to me, you know. Mm. I'm just a little different, I guess. I don't know. We'll we'll take a ride in the car, go into an open place, and she'll sit there and use the use the telephone to call our gear at home. It's like a a a, a what is it? The microphone radio. It's not, you know. It's like a push to talk radio. We can talk to the speakers mm-hmm. on our security cameras. And she says, Hey, we're over here. Will you come see us? <laughs> In a few seconds, we're taking pictures of stuff all around us. You can see them leave to mm-hmm. come to where we're at. It's amazing. I mean, it's so I think a lot of them are friends and family. I do. Wow. Personally. What I know from all this is we do not have. Physics and science, right? We don't have it right. Oh no, definitely not. I mean, I think we're we're close on some theories where, you know, like far as like the observer effect and things like that. I think are definitely close or get us closer to what we're experiencing. Um, but we're definitely not there. Like we don't accept it. It's hard to accept too. It's hard to accept that nothing is actually real. That we're living in a dreamlike state. Yet it feels real. Like I can touch this table, you know. But it's the same way in a dream too. I believe that dream, you know, dreams feel real. So it's just a really this life is a strange experience. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> o- open your heart and embrace it, and ask it to show you more through whatever means you want: prayer, meditation, invocation. Just just mm-hmm. be positive and ask. So make sure you say baby steps if you don't want it like shoved in your face right away. So. <laughs> if you don't want an alien abduction the first night, please be careful in what you ask ready. for. I'm ready, ready to go for it. Yeah, I would be ready for it too. I'd be like, come <laughs> get me and don't bring me back. <laughs> oh, I want to come back because I don't want to leave her yet. <laughs> but I do want to go on a ride. Yeah, I would love to go. Um, so I want to thank you guys for coming on and this was a great interview. Um, and where's the best place for my listeners to find you guys? Uh, Facebook, Lala Bright, 
uh, Robert McGuire. Bob McGuire. Bob McGuire. And Twitter, Lala Bright 59 and, and Bob McGuire, N4HY. That's my amateur radio call sign on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But Bob McGuire or Lala Bright, Google it and you will find both of them. Okay. And our, our pictures and videos are open to the public. Right. So. Awesome. They are not. They are not private. They are. We are showing all our evidence and giving it away freely. Great. There seems to be a lot of people sort of doing that now, and it's great. Yeah. It's great because people can just go and, and look at it and make their own decisions. And also, when you see so much evidence, it makes it really hard to deny it. That that, that right. it's hard to deny it. At, at the very least that there's something that we don't understand that is happening. Exactly. Grant Cameron, our friend, started a group called Orbology. He brought in all these orb people he knew, and in 30 days accumulated millions of pieces of evidence. Mm -hmm. Millions he put in a cloud repository. MUFON will never collect a million pieces of nuts and bolts craft. And they are ignoring orbs to their detriment. Hmm. Wow. So I will put a link. Um, send me the, send me the links to your Facebook and Twitter and stuff after this. So when I put this episode up, I'll put the links in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check you guys out, reach out to you, maybe share some of their experiences with you and help you guys in your research. That would be great. And, uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Von Scary. It was fun. All right. Awesome. I'll hang on for one moment and I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.